Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And we coming from a basement to your headphones, barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown. Hello, friends, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Podcastianos. I am your substitute interim host, Eric Wayne, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, a uh, a man who has mastered the Yurchenko double pike, and that man is Chris Ayat. How are you doing, Chris? I'm excellent. I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe I'll explain it and break it down for you in just a little bit. But let me I expect a lot you. of this in the next hour of, of not understanding what we're talking about. Yeah. So fire, fire away. Just just do whatever the vocal substitution for nodding along is. Just make listening noises. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, that's, yeah. that's all we really mm. need for you. Mm. Let me let me introduce you properly. This is Chris. I, uh, am I saying your last name properly? It's not it, lots. I've gotten that far. It's uh, I, it's I, it's not lot. So you're in the range. You're fine. Yeah. I bet you're longing for like a serif font. So you can, you know, people can see so that. Can, you, you know, I'm in the marketing business and I, I think people think that I send emails and forget to capitalize my last sure. name. I, I think it's lost me business to be honest with you. So yeah, just this man does not know how to easier. spell his own name. Yeah, I know it's like, oh, this guy's so sloppy. He can't capitalize his own last name or they think I'm E Cummings or something. I don't know. So anyway, uh, Chris is the proprietor, the guru at social sound. He is a, uh, a vodka entrepreneur and uh, of course, former M live tigers beat reporter. And thank you for joining Chris. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's good that you could find somebody. People aren't interested in what I do. They're interested in what I used to do and the other thing I do. So, you know, here I am. You know, it's a chance to le- relive all your former Tiger's glory with us. <laughs> so, so my leadoff question is circling back around to this. You don't know what a Yuchenko, Yurchenko double pike is? No. So recently, Simone Biles 
who is the now seven-time oh, yes, 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 yes. women's gymnastic champion, has pulled off this feat. And it's a it's a quantum leap from the previous vault that she was able to do. Um, do, do you find gymnastics impressive? It's uh, definitely, it's definitely impressive. It's not something that I, it's not appointment television for me necessarily, but um, it, the skill level is very impressive. And now that you say that, I am vaguely aware of this because it seems like I heard something that the judges graded her down. Yes. And the theory is that they graded her down to discourage other people from trying it because it's so dangerous. That's that, exactly right. It's like, so hard okay. and dangerous that they're not going to give her the props because they don't want anybody to bust their head open. Sure. Sure. Because That's it's fair. hard to do a half a flip because you tend to land on your head. Yes. Yeah. So that, that she's got to go from one to one and a half to two and a half flips. So the lead off question I really have for you is, <laughs> could you, could you do a somersault? Could I do a somersault? Yeah. Could you do a, a somersault? I could do a somersault. I could not do a cartwheel. See, I think I don't, my range of motion is somewhere between somersault and cartwheel. You don't think I could do a somersault? I think, I think you could. I think you could okay. do one. Maybe if you, especially if you had like one of those carpeted downward slopes, like they start, you know, the kitty gymnast on, I think you could. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's necessity right yeah. there. So did you see Simone Biles on her shoulder had the sequined goat for like the greatest of all time, you know, sequined on there? What do you, what do you make of that? Is that too much hubris or do you like the energy there? I think uh, I think goat is an overused term because it seems like there are like twelve goats currently in the NBA yes. and twelve goats currently in Major League Baseball. Um, and also, you know, I begged you for three days to prep me on what we were talking about. And now you're just flinging gymnastics moves out all out the window. I have no idea what we're talking about. Well, um, is she the goat? She very well may be. Is goat an overused term? Absolutely. Should people ask themselves questions and and, and answer them? No. So what I'm doing right now. So, uh, you know, it, it always goat always strikes me as weird because it wasn't that long ago where if you were the goat of the game, like you botched it, like you screwed it up. So yes. it's a term that's completely reversed itself. I think it's a uh, lowercase goat versus okay. uppercase period between each letter goat. Unless See, I'm wrong. You, you are still a writer. You can't I, shut up. I, I actually am. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm still uh, I still write stuff. Yeah, it's, it's how I pay the bills. So. You know, I, I saw a tweet where it, one, I think it was Tatis Jr. or something, slides into uh, second base and like holds on to the, the base and is like, this is the most athletic thing I've ever seen. And then I, I saw this, the, this flip by Biles and I'm like, yeah, they're different things, but that's kind of impressive too. It just shows that, you know, sports are all kind of different. Sports are all kind of different and they're all kind of, they're all kind of cool in their unique way, aren't they? They are indeed. So uh, we are presented by Moots Pizzeria. I'm not as smooth as Jordan with this, so you're just going to have to live with me, friends. Moots Pizzeria, downtown Detroit. We thank them for being our presenting uh, sponsor. Go down to Library Street. You can hang out at Moots. They have the uh, counter where you can get some food quickly. Or you can sit down. It's a nice atmosphere. They will uh, oven you up. It's like a special hot pizza oven, and they make a delicious pizza. Thank you to Moots for sponsoring us. Moots Pizzeria, that's that's what you should do. Let's talk a little bit about the Tigers. 
And uh, this is um, maybe something new to you. Have you, do you. Are you familiar with the Detroit Tigers any longer? I am familiar with the Detroit Tigers. Um, I am not as familiar with the Detroit Tigers as I was five to 10 years ago, obviously. Right. Um, and, and, and honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I don't consume a ton of sports these days. Um, but I do follow the, the events of the Tigers basically because I'm still on Twitter and I still follow all the beat writers. Yeah, I you have your same know. pool of people. Yeah. Yeah. And not only in Detroit, but, but some, some guys from different teams around the country and some of them, I, you know, I follow them, followed them when they covered one team and they've since moved to another, but that's really kind of how I, how I track baseball at this point is, uh, is, is reading about it on Twitter. And, and of course, listening to the uh, podcast, to be honest. Obviously. That's Obviously. a tender moment. Thank you. That's great. Uh, so uh, who, who is left from the guys that you covered? Anybody? I mean, Cabrera. Uh, Players on the team. Cabrera yeah. is left. I covered um, Daniel Castro? Norris. No. Daniel, um, Daniel Norris. Okay. Yep. Matthew yep. Boyd. Sure. Fulmer. Um, Fulmer. Yes. Fulmer. We're going to, we're going to be running out pretty quick. I don't even know his, uh, is uh yeah i don't even know i was gonna ask if jimenez was even in the major leagues but i don't remember if i covered him in the majors or if i covered him as a prospect my memory is is, he is today he is today the day's not over yet so we'll see about big joe do you remember the best money-making idea i ever had is when i said i wanted to sell I wanted to do like a betting line of over under for tigers prospects basically you wanted to short sell Every I wanted prospect. to short sell every baseball prospect to their hometown team. And yep. if I recall, I remember I said I could probably get thousands of dollars of bets over a yep. hundred career saves for Jimenez. And I will still, I will still give those. Still be able to do that. But the those. thing is for every, you take the, you're, you're right. You play the percentages prospects largely flame out, but I did see tweeted the um, news from the white Sox when they traded Fernando Tatis junior and obviously tatis is blowing it up so if it's so hard because the percentages are absolutely in your favor but i feel like when you get burned with it it kind of stinks how many years has it been and detroit tigers fans are still bringing up john freaking smoltz well yeah but for every one of those that you get burnt on there are 20 guys that fans think are going to be all-stars I mean, they don't. every time they traded a, a veteran for prospects, everybody imagines that those prospects are all going to grow into contributing yep. major leaguers, everyday players. And in hindsight, you got to look back. Um, Jacoby Jones. Yeah. He, he's not having a heck of a career. But in hindsight, you look, they traded like two months of Joaquin Soria for Jacoby Jones, right? Right. Right. That's not that much. Like you can't expect to give up two months of Joaquin Soria and get a a 12 year starting center fielder all-star. So yeah. um, Yeah. You, you, you get burnt occasionally. Most of the times you, you, you would not. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I I feel like the market on prospects has changed a little bit. And I think teams are, are actually more reluctant to part with their prospects, especially where that's kind of the value play. But um, I hear you saying still like maybe the Dave Dombrowski model of prospect trading is, is uh, still the appropriate model to adopt. I think you're right on all of those accounts and I have no theory as to why I think that uh, people are holding on to prospects more often and man, maybe Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they can't get what they want for them anymore. Yeah. I, I'm sure. I'm sure analytics and 
advanced technology, I think it's, I mean, all that stuff contributes. And some of it's pure frugality, frugal, frugalness, frugality. Either way, I, I don't use words that long. That's true. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn Henning's not on the show. <laughs> Jordan said I should try to get Lynn, but here we are. I love Lynn, but I, I try to imitate him and I've done this to you before. I can't, I do not have the vocabulary to imitate Lynn Henning. And, and it's just jealousy on my part. I, I'm, I, I write at the third grade level um, and I can't imitate anybody above that. So here we are. Let's uh, talk a little bit more current Tigers. So last night was the first night where the where Comerica Park was allowed to have essentially full capacity and it looked like it was the same restriction I think they had about 8,500 people or something like that Um, now granted that was due to a rain delay Um, so what do you what do you make of this do you think fans are going to come back do you think there's still some trepidation well there's a word for it trepidation around coming and being with crowds or uh do you think yeah we're gonna get thirty thousand people there again real soon i want you to look this up because we we just implied that i don't pay much attention i believe the uh, attendance yesterday was announced at 9161 and i may be wrong wow i believe it was 9161 um and i saw some people were like yeah this is proof that nobody's coming back and other people were like yeah the rain had a big effect i don't think i don't think the rain had any effect on that if it was it was extremely negligible oh negligible um are we gonna do this every time we use a word over absolutely yeah. okay um I, I don't think the rain had a huge effect people buy tickets i i think you're gonna see it creep up i don't think you're gonna see a ton of thirty thousand crowds at, at comerica this year but i think you'll see it grow and part of it i think people are a little bit hesitant to go out it's a habit not to go out right but also you know they just changed that rule. I'm not even sure everybody is aware when the the rules have changed so much in the last year. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure people are aware that the rule has changed a lot of people. So you'll see that grow, but, but the way the Tigers are playing, I don't think you're going to see it grow too much. Uh, Yeah. I think there's a little bit of inertia involved. I mean, a lot of people plan trips ahead of time. There's these season tickets or whatever, and that Mm -hmm. momentum has not yet come back because we, you know, stopped dead. But because, I mean, even when the Tigers were atrocious, uh, there was still, you know, 15,000 people there, even on a kind of a crummy night. So I think it'll rebound some, but it's just going to take a little time. Yeah. Yeah. People have to establish new new habits and stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, The next thing I want to talk about is we kind of touched on this is the prospect world. Um, Jacoby has been sent down and just has been really bad. Um, uh, and now we have the ascendance of one Derek Hill, who I tend to poo poo, but, uh, so there's a question in all of this. Do you think we'll see Jacoby Jones back? And what do you make of Derek Hill? Ah, uh, will you see Jacoby Jones back? I, I, he's not, a why not anymore? I mean, no, he's, what, he's not. But, I, I got to believe he's has, 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 have they announced that he's cleared? I mean, I got to believe he's going to clear with the salary he has sure. this year. Yeah. Um, he's going to go to Toledo and then, you know, at some point they can, they can, they'll probably bring him back up this year at some point if they need him, put him back on the 40. And then at the end of the year, you've got a decision to make. And I would assume uh, uh, all these phrases are coming back to me that I used to use all the time. I'm assuming he's a non-tender at the end yeah. of the year. A non-tender um, candidate non-tender candidate. So uh, these are literally phrases I've not spoken or typed in, in five years. So I want to make sure I'm using them properly. 
Um, I would assume he's a non-tender, but will you see him again this year? I don't know, probably. Is he a big part of the future? I can't imagine that he is. Right. Um, Derek Hill. My gosh, what year did they draft Derek Hill? Oh, it seems like forever ago. He's only, like he's 25 now. So, and they drafted him as a 18 or 19 year old out of high school. So has to be six or seven years ago. Oh no, no, no. Gosh. I, I'm going to take the over on six or seven years. I don't remember. Is that possible? I'm looking know. this up and I'm not sure. Are we allowed to look things up while we talk? Oh, sure. Fine. Um, we, we just got to kill time. So, okay. Yeah. It's been, uh, I, I can't find it. And it's in the first like, round uh, of the 2014 draft. 2014. So, yeah, this you can do math is, on the air. So that's eight. We're pushing seven, seven eight, years. Seven here. years ago. Yeah. So what did I wow. say? Six. So I was close. Yeah, you were you were actually closer than I thought. It just seems like it's been, man. It seems like it's been forever since they drafted him. Right. Well, um, we've had so a lot of Derek Hill. I mean, he was our first round pick when the pickings were kind of slim, and so I think his name has just been in our consciousness for so long now that you know it seems like forever. It's crazy that you talk about prospects, and I'm, I don't. I'm not sure I'm answering your question, and I don't remember what it was to be honest. It doesn't matter. Um, it seems like at one point he was like the number one prospect in the system, and then it seems like I recently saw where the Tigers called somebody else up, and he moved into like the Tigers' thirtieth best prospect. Um, and I was like, wow, like yeah. Um, and well, maybe none of those things are true. Old. You should fact check everything I say. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What was the question on Derek Hilligan? He's uh, he's good. He's a he's a he's a defensive wizard with some yes. speed he runs into walls hard um he'll catch the ball for it for sure apparently he's apparently he's uh apparently he's hitting this year which i guess is one of those things that you know makes you makes you make it to the majors they always say like jake rogers is he gonna hit Derek hill yeah. is he gonna hit Kobe jones is he gonna hit there's a million guys uh who can quinn Mary is he gonna hit yeah. like a million sergio guys alcantara can catch the ball for you but i mean he's gonna hit yeah but uh yes he did have two hits last night which doubled his major league output for excellent so he's fun to watch i mean he's an exciting player you know everybody uh, yes the strategy is three run home runs and that makes good sabermetric sense or whatever but there's still some atmospheric some aesthetics about baseball where it's fun to see guys run around make athletic plays and go catch the ball Absolutely. You know, this, this reminds me of something that, that, that kills me sometimes people talk about major league baseball players and they compare them to other major league baseball players, which is totally fine. Okay. Derek Hill has two major league hits. Like that's, four now. that's a good bait for now. Okay. He's got four now. <laughs> yeah. That's a good baseball career in the sure. scheme of baseball. Yeah. Like, yes. I think there have been 20,000 players who have played major league baseball yeah. mm-hmm. total ever. Yep. Yes. Like if you make it to the major leagues, people are like, oh, that guy's a scrub. Like you made it to the major leagues. That's that's something that's something like, you're going to be on your resume, on your calling card forever. I was a major I league that, baseball player. I, I said that to a guy and I won't mention his name because I don't have permission. I said it to a guy who was up and down with the Tigers and he retired and he told me he was done. And I was like, you've had a heck of a career. And he goes, you are one of the very few people that would say that. I was like, dude, you you played in the major leagues like yep. Six different seasons. Like, yeah. there aren't a lot of guys that do that. So, anyway. you know, it's it's fascinating, and um, maybe we'll have an opportunity soon to talk to uh, some guys like that. But I, I talked to a guy who made it as far as the Whitecaps, so low A. Maybe he played a little bit in high A. And then he took a job selling, you know, medical supplies or whatever, and 
you know, it's fascinating because their whole life up to that point has been baseball, baseball, and nothing but baseball. Mm -hmm. And regardless of your level of success, at some point, guys have to transition into something else. And um, I I do find it fascinating how they deal with that, uh, you know, emotionally and intellectually. It's, it's torturous. Like it's gotta be whether you, whether you make it to to low A or high A or whether you play 14 years in the major leagues at some point, usually somebody else informs you that you are done. Right. Like you don't get to pick where you, play for the most part you can get traded any moment and at some point somebody says you're not good enough to be around here anymore and you're a young you're a young man and your career is ostensibly over and it's all you've done since you were six years old no that is uh i think that's a an underrated uh, aspect of of the whole major league lifestyle is is how it ends i mean whether you're I mean, I, I, I'm sure ian kinsler wasn't ready to quit playing baseball and he's not he's actually playing the olympics this year right for israel but but goodness, like those guys just want to play until they're a hundred. Yeah. You know? yeah, Victor and, Martinez. I mean, they brought yeah. him a pair of boots and it was kind of like, you know, um, Pujols, you know, he's still playing, but the Cardinals, uh, not the Cardinals, the angels relatively unceremoniously said, yeah, you're kind of yeah. done with us. And this yeah. is the, one of the best baseball players ever, mm-hmm. ever to do it. Yeah. So yep. it's Absolutely. fascinating. Um, on the other side of the things, uh, we have to talk about uh, Eric Haas, who my understanding is a Michigan product from Divine Child. Uh, you're an East Side, well, now you're an East Side of the State guy. Do you know what a Divine Child is or where this is or anything? I know Divine Child is in Dearborn. Uh, I used to work with a guy who uh, who graduated from Divine Child. So, yeah, that's what I know is that uh, Divine Child is in Dearborn. There you go. And a, <laughs> it has produced for us Eric Haas. You know, we talked about older rookies with Derek Hill, but Eric Haas is 28 years old and usually 28 year old rookies do not emerge as, you know, guys. Uh, but in the last six games, he is hitting 450. He's got six home runs and a 1.922 OPS. And he's, he's hit some other balls hard. So the people around Tigers Twitter are fired up about Eric Haas. And I think Eric Haas is fired up that he's been able to do this with, with his Tigers, his hometown, hometown Tigers. What do you make of this? Uh, is this simply uh, a, a guy who caught a hot streak or do the Tigers have something in Eric Haas? Uh, as a totally uneducated observer, I will say that my experience tells me that it's, it's, it's a, it's a hot stretch and it's fortunate I hope for Tigers fans that, you know, he does this for, for 10 years. Um, but I, I would expect, I would expect him to, to, to cool off at some point in the relatively near future. But, but here's the thing about baseball. You never know. Um, the Tigers system was never, I wouldn't say flush with prospects during the time I covered them. Okay. But they had, right. they had middle infield guys. Like they, Devin Travis, uh, they, they, they had guys who were highly touted Mm -hmm. and then who, and, and I know that no one was really thrilled with the trade even at the time, but who thought, uh, Eugenio Suarez was going to be who he is today. Who thought that, who thought that like, raise your hand and find me evidence that you thought it. I thought he might be good, but I thought Hernan Perez might be just as good. There there were a bunch of those guys and, and, I mean, it was, it's, it's hard to tell how they're going to stack up and sort out over time. It, it, it really is. Um, 
my most memorable Suarez moment was when he did that. Uh, gosh, we had it on Instagram. He made the animal noises. Do you recall this? You found oh, it yeah. He was like, a tur- it's yeah, the turkey says, the chicken yes. says. That's it right. Hilarious. Yep. I, cr- yep. I cried laughing every time I watched it. That's fine. Um, we got to bring and, that. And that was, we got to find that. You found it a couple years ago when I mentioned it. I couldn't, sure. I've, I've spent way too much time looking for it and not being able to find it. But, um, but at the time, it was, says funny. it was all in Spanish. Or it was yes. like the Spanish yes, 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 yes. variations yes. of the animal noises. Yes. Yeah. And I wasn't even sure. Uh, I, I mean, he, he was he wasn't the most terrible prospect at the time. I wasn't even first time I saw it, I was like, is this Suarez? Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. You might recognize three or four guys in the clubhouse today. If you went in, probably. 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 <laughs> like the three or four guys we mentioned, there's gotta be somebody else. There's gotta be somebody else. Yeah, for sure. No, probably not. So uh, since I have to pick your brain a little bit, not only did you cover the Tigers for a lot of years, you tiger, you covered Detroit Pistons basketball and, you know, just in a kind of in a general sense, like what is, what is something the average fan doesn't understand about pro sports or professional athletes? Like fans are so hyped up about the laundry and the logo and their team. Like what, what are we missing? I remember, I mean, I obviously grew up a sports fan and then I spent a lot of years in, in local sports journalism, which was, you know, covering high schools and local colleges, occasionally made it to a big event. And I remember covering the Pistons in two weeks in, and with all due respect to all sports fans who are listening to this podcast, the millions (laughs) with all due respect. And I'm sure this doesn't apply to you personally, but after two weeks, I remember thinking, Fans don't have any idea what's going on. Okay. Um, Interesting. There are so many inner workings and, and you're closer to it when you're a journalist, cause you're in the, you're in the clubhouse every day and you talk to these guys and you hear things, but there are so many little inner workings that you don't see that people can't explain. Like a manager can't sometimes say why he made a move. Right to move somebody up in the lineup or down in the lineup. And I'm trying to avoid specific examples. Um, Cause I, I, I know some of these things from being there and, and, and sometimes I wasn't able to write about them. Um, but you just, there's so many personality traits and issues. And I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a good answer. It's, it, it's amazing. The thing that I think it's overlooked for baseball players is these guys play like 162 games in a hundred and, 80 days right you just don't like blink your eyes and end up in texas and and they flew they traveled way better than i did they traveled way better than i did they didn't wait in security they had charter flights they had their hotel keys waiting for them but but think about it you play night you play at night you get up the next morning pack early play a day fly repeat for six months um and when people sometimes they'll give a guy a day off and people are like he's playing a game why does he get a day off Right. That's an absolute grind. That baseball is a grind like, like no other. Um, for for players and, I mean, from a media perspective, it's it's you know I used to argue with uh, a friend of mine who's a, who was a long term NBA beat writer about which one's travel was hardest. Um, yeah, but baseball, you just you just you know you you just you're just flying every three days. Like you're just going someplace new all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, 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 just the grind that players go through over the course of a season, I don't think people pay a lot of attention to that. And geez, a piece when they get a day off, this guy's deserve a day off every once in a while. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a long season. 
Well, I, I just think about, you know, I go on a three day trip someplace or you fly someplace and then fly home and just that sense of relief. When you get home, you can lay your suitcase down and flop on your bed or whatever, like the relief you feel from that, but those guys don't have it. They're constantly on the move. You're untethered to parts of your life. And it, it does have to be your grind. No. And I remember talking to, to uh, a player one day and I, I think he just overheard me having a conversation about FaceTiming with my kids. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't, I miss my kids. It was, don't you hate FaceTime? Because when I'm done talking to my kid and they hang up, I just want to smash my iPad with a bat because he missed his family this much. Sure. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't just like, yeah, I miss my kids. It was like, it was, uh, it was very strongly worded. It's, it's torturous to be gone yep. the way we're gone. Um, so, you, yeah. You know, in, in a lot of that stuff, is hidden from fans because you know you want this professionalism and you, the only time you see a family member on the field is after they throw a no hitter you know i saw spencer turnbull and his his wife or girlfriend uh, you know came out and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah uh, there's some humanity there they're they're real people well and and to be fair like yeah they, they are and i don't think people i don't think people realize that but but that's kind of the i mean not to be crass but as a sports fan, you, you want a you want a bottom of the ninth inning game winning home run. You, you don't want details about how a guy misses his kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, the, but there it's should be some humanity. There. It's an, yeah, industry. but there's, there's not enough humanity there though, because the way people get treated on the, the way players and athletes and rock stars and journalists, frankly, get treated on Twitter is, 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 is horrific. And there should be, there should be some more, there should be some more humanity involved. People should think of that a little more often, but, but in reality, you know, people are out to watch sports, not, not human beings. Does that sound terrible? No, that sounded worse than a minute. Right. I mean, it, it's still an entertainment industry and, and fans, uh, fans are paying for the product and yep, they want absolutely. a certain set of things. And in some ways they're entitled to it, but in some ways um, it's important to realize it's a human endeavor too. There's the line. There's just a line. You don't have to yeah, cross it sure. in the end. The next question I have to ask you is, I'm sure that there was some sensitive things and stories that you've encountered during your time with the Tigers. But I'm wondering if there's anything that you could share with us that's kind of interesting or funny as way of, by way of a story about the Tigers. Oh boy. This um, requires a lot of self-censoring, which I'm sure is, has to be difficult. I, I don't know. And I, I mean, you've is, written a thousand things. I know. I don't know if this is interesting, but I, I have several, I have several Phil Coke stories, which seems, which seems Apropos. fitting. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh whoa. The, another big word. Yes. Um, so, and, and this is actually kind of complimentary about Phil Coke. So this might be my perception of the athlete reporter relationship. I may be dead wrong about this, but my perception, generally speaking, is that, most athletes like never let them see you sweat. Like they want to keep reporters at arm yep. length, arm's length. And, and all of our stories every day were compiled into a packet and there were stacks of them in the clubhouse and players would read them. But a lot of times they wouldn't let you know that they read them. So or, let me get, hold on, pause right there. So like the media relations people or whatever are compiling the media reports on the team and having them available to the team or they, I don't know if, I don't know if they still do this, but, but yes, um, the, really? if you walk into the clubhouse, there would be a stack of clips 
on the front would all be all the headlines and the, it would be like so-and-so story m live so-and-so story m live no three presidents mlb mlb and then they would have some national stuff on there too but yeah like a thick packet and there would be stacks of them but but huh. when most for the most part when players read your stuff even if they got mad they wouldn't they wouldn't say it to you because to me that almost puts you in a position of power like i care sure. what you think yeah and i might be misperceiving this entirely but my when i cut my teeth on the pistons beat like Tayshaun mm-hmm. prince did literally did not make eye contact with reporters he would talk to us and his his eyes would rove above our heads which was, well, that easy was easy yeah, yeah. taller <laughs> but i remember one day he said i don't read all y'all's stuff but i got somebody who does so if you talk crap about me i'll hear about it so and and, and honestly i think Tayshaun prince probably read our stuff but but sure. that's just kind of his way of saying it so a lot of players like would get mad and they would just hold it in. They wouldn't say anything. So I would actually, I actually appreciated this. Um, I walk into the clubhouse one day and my rule, and I think this might be a general rule too. I don't know. Maybe I made this up, but I probably learned this from somebody is if you wrote something negative about somebody, I always felt it was my job to make myself available to that person the next day. Sure. So if, if I wrote something negative, I would hang out in the locker room, uh, in the clubhouse locker room for the Pistons until I saw said person, I would usually like wander by and like nod my head and go, Hey, and if they said, hey, I would move on. I, I felt I needed to give them the opportunity to, to, to say, hey, you're an idiot. Hey, you're wrong, whatever. Right. Um, I remember doing this s- s- several times with Richard Hamilton. I covered the Pistons during the Custer Q- years. It was buffoonery, buffoonery was a Twitter years. hashtag yes. before, before we knew what we were doing on Twitter, before, when we thought it was a toy, before we knew that people would actually see the stuff. Um, so I, I just had that habit. But, but the, the, the point of the story and why I appreciated guys like Phil is I remember I walked into a club, into the clubhouse one day, we were on the road and Phil Coke sees me from across the room. I walk in and he starts wagging his finger at me. Come here, come here. So I walked over and I'm like, what's up, Phil? And he goes, I left a mess on the bases. I'm like, what's that? He goes, I left a mess on the bases. I go, what are you talking about, Phil? You wrote that I left a mess on the bases. I'm like, did you read this? He goes, no, somebody told me. I go, all right, well, let's go find the clip. Let's go find the clip. So I went and got some clips and I read it and it was something, this this is all paraphrased. This is seven years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I I read it and I go, Phil, it says, Tiger's pitchers made a mess on the bases. You you just happen to be one of those guys. (laughs) And he's like, well, I don't know about that. And I go, listen, the first three guys in that inning didn't retire anybody. Like three pitchers entered the game and left the game and there were still no outs. And I pointed out to him and he goes, yeah, all right. And that was the end of it. But, but I appreciated that interaction because he respected me, I think enough to have the conversation with sure. me. Yeah. And I got to correct something that if he hadn't, I think a lot of those guys heard what was written about them. The guys who didn't read what was written about them heard it. But they heard it second or third hand. And, sure, and, and sure. most of the time it was. And, and to be honest, when you're a beat writer, when you're on that kind of a schedule and you're sleep deprived and flying all over the place, and I'm not making excuses, but I remember there would be days where I would stand up at one in the morning in the press box and I would look at the guys and I would go, I just filed a terrible story and it's the <laughs> best I could do today. Yes. Like you just had to move on and, and go yeah. to your next day. I mean, there were days, you know, I was filing six, eight, 10 stories straight to M Live you know, traveling, like it, 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 some of the, some of the stuff we did is, is, and, and those guys still do, I respect what they do. is kind of insane, but some days you just did the best you could and, and you moved on to the next day and tried to do better. I mean, I think, I think every 
every career is like that to a degree, right? You just do the best yep. you can and yep. you can't do the, you can't do your best every single day. So, so sometimes that criticism was probably fair. I do remember one time we walked into uh, we walked into a clubhouse and uh, I, I don't know why I feel like I can't tell stories with names attached to them. Cause I think these are pretty innocent. Justin Verlander was standing in the clubhouse and he was reading clips. And one of the other reporters goes, how do we do today? <laughs> uh, or what grade, what grade did we get today? Oh, and Justin goes, I just do pass fail. <laughs> and the reporter goes, how did we do today? And I think Justin said, most of the time you fail. And I think it was in good fun. <laughs> I don't think he really meant that, but I, I don't, I don't know. There's nothing I could do about it if he meant it. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Just interactions like that are kind of entertaining at times, I think. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going to get to our next segment very shortly, but I have to ask it a, a, a very random, weird question of you. Uh, would you write your story right into the content management system of the website, or would you write it like in Word and then copy and paste it? Oh, I have to tell you this story. Like I, I, I spent 15 years in journalism where you, where you wrote stories and then somebody read them and edited yeah, them right, and then right. you looked at them again and then you put them on the page and you printed page proofs and somebody else edited them. And when I went and covered the Pistons, that was that was gone like we wrote our stories there was no we wrote the headlines yeah we put the headlines on it we put the photos in it we wrote the cut lines the captions under the photos we posted it to the to m live live we copied the link we promoted it on social media all that stuff and um i was terrified like it was terrifying to me when i started covering the pistons because when you start covering a sport you're not an you're not an expert necessarily i think i could say that in 2010 when i started covering the pistons sure i was not an expert on the pistons and i remember it was like emperor's new clothes like every night i filed a story i'm like these people are going to read this story and know yeah. that i have no idea what i'm talking imposter about imposter syndrome yeah. again i'm doing my best it is imposter syndrome and i do remember when i got to the point covering the tigers where i was like man i I kind of know what I'm, I, mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. being cocky, but I kind of know what I'm talking yeah, about. Like I've yeah, been here yeah. long enough. Somebody can engage me in an argument on Twitter and I, I could, I could confidently argue a point that I believed in strongly and then move on. And it was so refreshing or go on a radio interview and be able to just snap off answers and responses as opposed to kind of fumbling around. Um, and I remember when I started covering the Pistons, my, my computer had this program where you could highlight text and push a button and your computer would read it back to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I first started covering the Pistons, I had my story, I had my computer read my stories back to me with headphones on in case I was missing a word. A lot of the errors you see in journalism aren't in the writing. They're in the editing. Yeah. When you right. start moving paragraphs around and switching tenses and then the score right. changes right. and you rewrite your story, like 80% of the errors I made were made in editing, not in writing. So I used to have my computer read the story back to me, but yeah, you, it was no net into the, into the content system. And and again, you know, in, in the old days of journalism, you had one deadline, you had a newspaper once a day and in the digital age. And I know in retrospect, that was a luxury. It was a luxury. Like, cause, cause, cause now you might write four stories in a day because things change that fast. Yeah. And back then you could just wait till the end of the day and see how it turned out and write your one story and move on. So right. I always tell people, it felt like when I covered the tigers, I felt like I had like, you know, those timers that people use when they play chess. Yeah. Like you I posted a button. story to M live. I felt like I pushed a button and I had at max, like I didn't want the site to go two hours without a new story. Wow. And obviously that was not maintained from 1 a.m. until, you know, noon the next day or whatever. Although sometimes, 
sometimes you still got stories in there or scheduled stories in there. But, but I remember at the ballpark, I just felt like once I posted a story, I had 60 to 120 minutes to post my next story. Sometimes it was 20, but you know, you know what I mean? It just, yeah, it, it, it just was constant. It is time to move on. It is time for our guest presentation of power rankings. Take it away, Chris. This is Colin Ballister, and up next are the power rankings brought to you by North River Vodka. North River Vodka, it's Michigan's true spirit. I, I'm, I can't tell you, I don't feel like I'm qualified to, to handle this. Like, and when I said jokingly a few days ago to you, like, I want to do power rankings, I was kind of joking. And you were like, okay. And then I think I almost power ranked power ranking topics because, like, how many you, did you I find immediately? Like, uh, uh, obscure bands that I like, uh, song titles by Against Me, which is a band I like, not songs. I wasn't going to rank the songs, I was going to actually rank just the, song the titles. titles. Yes, yes. Yeah, just the titles. Like, like just all kinds of random things. Um, but I think, as you sometimes say, to stay on brand. We settled on the correct things. These, this, we're going to power rank the best and worst ways to consume potatoes. Yes, today. good. I'm excited. I'll, play, I'll be playing you, the role of Jordan. Oh, please <laughs> do. As some of you may know, I, uh, I, I, I had humble beginnings and grew up on a potato farm in, in northern Michigan. Um, I at Seed Farms, they, they now grow 22 million pounds of seed potatoes every year. Little, uh, a little potato trivia for you. So I have a, I have a lifelong relationship with, with the spud. And, um, and in doing these power rankings, I really had a hard time. You're going to, I think you're going to see how great potatoes really are because even things on my worst three list are, are perfectly fine. They're the so most I, magical of root vegetables, I would say. They, 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 they're amazing. So can you refresh me? Like, uh, I got, I have seven and three. Is that yes, the correct that, That's right. That's the, the number. And, where do I start? Where do I start? Uh, you start at seven. seven. Start, 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 start at seven. seven. So we do the best seven and then we do the worst three. That's right. Uh, okay. I feel like we're going to lose a little thunder here. Although I think we all know where this is going. Um, seventh ranked way to consume potatoes, scalloped yes. potatoes. Ooh, I like it. I think scalloped potatoes are underrated. I like them with, I think ham, ham is really mm, boring, mm -hmm. but when you combine the humble ham with the humble scalloped potatoes and maybe even some cheese, you let it go in a crock pot all day. Okay. Scalloped potatoes are delicious. Are you using the fancy real cheese? Or are you just going, you know, box we're going bo powder. Box oh, no, 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 no. We, we, and by we, um, I, I don't know how my wife does it, but they, they taste magical. She mixes like, I don't know, milk and Cream. butter and salt and pepper. Yeah. Like we don't buy the box scalp potatoes. Those would be on the bottom three list if I had thought of it. But, um, scalp is this about the right, is this the right amount of, right amount of time? So I don't want to drag yeah, this out. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Sixth on the list, twice baked potatoes. Oh yeah. I love these. Infinitely better than the once baked potato. Yeah, infinitely better. Th thrice baked would be too much, I feel like. That seems like too much. But if people aren't familiar with twice baked potato, you cook a potato, you dig out the insides, you mix it with mm -hmm. some sour cream and some cheese, maybe some bacon, some salt and pepper. You put it back in the potato skin yes. and you cook it again. It's amazing. I, uh, I'm right. noticing a theme here. We got, some, we got cheese theme so far. That's good. All right, the cheese is, we're, we're going to go off, but I think I'm going to really throw you for a loop on this one. Here we go. And this again shows you how great potatoes are. Fifth ranked French fries. Mm, classic. French fries are awesome. That's really all I have to say about French fries. My favorite French fries, I don't even know. I, I like In-N-Out French fries, not because they have good French fries, but because it means I'm at In-N-Out and I really like the burgers. Good. Yes. Um, but, but French fries, fresh French fries, the right amount of salt, yummy. Yep. And I think most people would think they were higher, but, but let's keep going. Number four, possibly the most underrated way to consume <laughs> potatoes, the tater tot. 
Yes, I'm on board. Tater tots are like French fries, but the ratio of crispiness on the outside to tenderness on the inside is so much better than a French fry. You get more surface area. You get more surface area of crisp, but they still have that chew. I think tater tots, vastly underrated. Are you a tater tot casserole guy? Or is that a West Michigan thing? That's I've I've heard of it. I may have had it. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a tater tot casserole guy. (laughs) I didn't know those guys existed, but you are apparently. Yeah, very self-defining. I, you know, I made one a while back. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Tater tots are delicious. I, they have like loaded tots and tachos these days. I feel like the world of tater tots has really expanded. It's 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 the most underrated of the potatoes. I agree. So, number three, and and I would have ranked this lower if we were ranking like mere potato chips. Okay. 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 But then I remembered. Are you familiar with Great Lakes Potato Chip Company? Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. They make uh, kettle cooked potato chips in Traverse City. They have like a cherry barbecue flavor or something. They like do that. have a cherry barbecue, but for, for <laughs> our rankings, number three on the list is Great Lakes Potato Chip Company Parmesan Ranch potato Ooh, chips. That is the best, the best of the Great Lakes Potato Chip Company potato chips, which are all amazing. But I would Ooh. highly recommend you get yourself. And I was on their website uh, today. Actually, I, I know the owner due to my potato, vast potato connections in Michigan. And um, I believe they have free shipping. So if you'd like to go to yeah. their website today and order potato chips, you can have them shipped to your house for free. Where do you come down on the salt and vinegar chip debate? I like salt and vinegar chips. I do too. If you name chips, keep naming chips. And I will tell you that I like them all. I think potato <laughs> chips are wonderful. All varieties of chips. They're, all, they're, they're, they're great. Yes. Number two on the list. And I really struggle with this because... I think we're all, I, I think we all know where we're going with number one here. Oh, I do. And I wanted to put number one, number two, just to surprise you, but I, but I think that would really be off brand, so to speak. So number two on the list, poutine. Oh, solid, solid. Poutine, for those unfamiliar, I'm so sorry if you're not familiar with it, is simply French fries with gravy and cheese curds. But there are so many variations. Grand River Brewery in Jackson has a poutine that you can get brisket, bacon, or pulled pork on. And sometimes if you really, if you're really craving, you can put all three on poutine combines the wonderfulness of cheese, the French fry and gravy. How could you beat poutine? It's a good choice. And the only way to beat poutine, as you know, um, my wife and I own North River Vodka. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say the number one way to consume potatoes responsibly must be 21. Yes. All those other, all those other things is North River Vodka. North River Vodka is made from potatoes grown on eyes, seed farms in Kalkaska. It's distilled in Traverse City. It's Michigan's true spirit. Michigan's true Vodka. spirit. Michigan's true spirit. Trademarked. Um, so now we move on to the, uh, the, the, the three worst ways to eat potatoes. Yes. Do I start at three again? Yes. And again, this is going to show you how great potatoes are. Number three on the worst way to eat potatoes, mashed potatoes. Okay. And the reason yep. I say this, mashed potatoes and gravy are wonderful. But the star of that show is the gravy. Mashed okay. potatoes without yep. the gravy, it's just mashed potatoes. Yep. Number three, mashed potatoes. Number two, potato soup. Okay, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just I'm not a soup guy. I like potato soup, just not a soup guy. Yeah. Number it's one, a, and quite possibly- Is any, is any soup with potato soup. in it a chowder? Does, is, the ch- is the potato the defining yeah. characteristic of a chowder? Is the creaminess? No, it's the creaminess. But you can okay. make like a potato corn chowder- um, we have some kind of potato leek sausage soup at our house sometime. Ooh, that's fancy. pretty tasty. It's a good way to eat uh, 
Lee, I think there's kale in there too. It's amazing all the bad things that are in that soup. Yeah, it's it's really good because kale sucks. Um, the worst way to eat potatoes, and I couldn't think of any other ways besides maybe raw, have, which nobody does. I have a guess. I'm guessing you're going to say potato salad. No, no, no. Potato salad was on the did not appear list along with, um, <laughs> is it pronounced uh, like gnocchi? Gnocchi. Don't they make yeah, potato, little potato gnocchi? pillows. Sure. Yep. And then uh, potato salad, once baked potatoes were on the did not appear. The worst way to eat potatoes uh-huh. are boiled. There is nothing okay. less imaginative than taking a potato, either peeling it or not peeling it, boiled. And, and the worst possible combination is boiled canned potatoes. Oh, sure. potatoes in cans. I grew up with potatoes from cans and then what my mom would like dice them up or slice them up and then fry them in a pan. Oh, well, then you're, you're rescuing them. You're giving them potato yeah. CPR but, at that point. You know, I can, in my modern adult life, I'm surprised that canned potatoes are still a thing. I, I guess things don't go away. Um, I, I, I can't, maybe it's the same canned potatoes they canned 50 years ago. And they're just they, they've the been cans. there since my childhood, right? In the shelves yeah, of Meyer. Yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody's made new ones. So, yeah. so there you go. Power rankings. Good job. That was Thank brilliant. You. I, 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 felt, I felt a lot of stress. I felt a lot of stress there, but I think it turned out okay. This is where usually uh, Jordan says something about what he sees alongside the road while running. I have not done any running this week. So we're going to skip that segment. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So uh, we do have Twitter questions uh, and I will uh, read you the Twitter questions and then we will respond to them in a way that approaches an answer. Got it? Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Mitch from Michigan asks, what's the worst tiger's opinion you had as a child growing up? Me? Whoa. I thought signing noodle armed Johnny Damon was going to deliver the Tigers, a World Series. Didn't work out that way, but did you have any bad sports or Tigers opinions? Oh, I had a couple, a, a couple of bad sports opinions. I can't think of a Tigers opinion, but my two worst sports opinions were, um, I'd have to look at the draft, but when the, when the Detroit Pistons passed on Sam Vincent, I believe this is correct. I believe the Detroit Pistons passed on Sam Vincent to select uh, an un, unknown to me from the South, Joe Dumars. Okay. I was angry. That angry they picked young Joe Dumars. That they picked Joe Dumars over Sam Vincent. And to be fair, I've thing. told Joe Dumars the story when I covered the Pistons. <laughs> I'm sure you got a kick out of it. He, I, I believe he was entertained. And another one, I believe I remember telling one of my friends that Barry Sanders was too small. So those, I can't think of any two worst opinions I could have had as a, as a child about sports, yep. but those, those are my two. And, and I've just embarrassed myself. So carry on. What are yours? Mine was probably that the Tigers would win a World Series before I reached middle age. And that turned out to be a, a bad take. So are you middle aged? Yes. Am I? Okay. I, 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 I don't know exactly how old you are. And I, 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 the, the middle aged line gets moved up every year for me. So. so I did not. So the Tigers won the World Series last in 1984. I had not yet reached kindergarten. So I do not, I did not experience that. So I thought, oh, growing up a Tigers fan, I'm 11, 12 sure. or whatever. I'll be able to celebrate someday a yeah. World Series title. Turns out, not so much. 
everybody's their their own town centric, right? Like you think when your team's rebuilding, right. they're, they're, they're the only team rebuilding. Like every year when the Lions have a draft, people are like, well, these seven guys are really going to help the team. Well, every other team in the Thinks NFL also guys, selected yeah. seven guys who they think were pretty good too. So, right. so yeah, I can, I can see why, um, you know, you're due for a, a world series title. Every, yeah. every, every, every guy, adult fan kid in Pittsburgh thinks the Pittsburgh pirates are going to, you know, but you know, no, what? probably not. <laughs> maybe not. They, maybe they don't. I mean, some of those cities are some of those cities that they, they, they I mean, probably not. But, All right. But, but for the most part, yes. Yeah. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Totally. Don Sherman at Don Sherm asks, which current MLB ballpark that you have never been to that you most want to watch a game. Now this is going to be harder for Chris since he's been to essentially all of them, but no, no, from, no, there are probably six I have not been to, but go ahead. So for me, it's got to be PNC in Pittsburgh. I mean, it just looks so picturesque. Everybody raves about the facility and I would love to get to PNC because I've never been there. I it's still PNC, right? Pittsburgh get, I believe so. Get in the car. That's not that far away. No, it's not. To be honest, if you're, if you're a baseball fan in, in Michigan and, and you think you should go to PNC, you should, it's, it's not a far drive Pittsburgh. I mean, besides all the mountains and the weird roads and I got sucked across a bridge one time and couldn't find my way back. I mean, besides all that, it's, it's kind of easy to get from the highway right downtown. Sure. Um, the walk across the bridge is Pretty. something. Um, the, the ballpark is beautiful. The press box there was in the sky, like mm. there in Washington, the press boxes are, are just so far in the air that, you know, you ever hear a guy go, uh, Oh, it's a long fly ball. It's it caught 40 feet short of the warning yeah. track. Like you get tricked. And part of I that is I, hear, I think I heard Dan Dickerson talking about how it's the most kind of illusionary or elusive park to well, those guys switch in. they switch parks every again, every three days, and mm-hmm. you get a different perspective every three days. And some of those places right. you you just get a skewed view. But 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 with that said, like being that high in Pittsburgh and being able to see the the river and the city and you know the I, I don't know, the skyline across the river, it is a beautiful park. And I would say that you are correct in choosing PNC as the park that you should go to. My favorite PNC park fun fact is when they built the ballpark, they built into it a female umpire locker room, even though there were no female umpires. I thought that was just kind of a fun, you know, it's an allegory for dreaming on something in the future, you know? So I thought that's my favorite fun fact, but. Interesting. Did not know that. Where, where would you go? So um, I was, I believe I was at every ballpark, except I did not make the NL East swing one year, except I have been to Washington. So I haven't been to any of the other parks. I uh, Matt's Braves. Okay. Um, when I covered the Tigers Braves James, one is pretty new. It's they moved out in the suburbs again. Yeah, I wasn't at either one at their old one either. Um, James Schmel used to, yeah. I can't believe if he went to college in Arizona or if he lived in Arizona. So anytime the Tigers went to Arizona, um, he took that trip. So I've never been to Arizona and, the only, I think the only other stadium I haven't been in is, is Milwaukee. And I think oh. that would probably be my choice, which I just said, yeah. you should get in the car and drive to Pittsburgh. Like Milwaukee's not really that, really that far for me, but I, I, I mean, honestly, I covered, I don't know how many hundreds of games in five years. I haven't been to a whole lot of games, um, um, since then. Recreationally. So, but yeah, recreationally, it's just not, I, you get, you get spoiled having a parking space and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, food and room in the press box and stuff. Um, but no, Milwaukee, I guess, would be the one that I would uh, that I would say. Uh, Mark, Mark from Ohio asks, 
Is it too early to have Eric Haas as my tiger? However, I'm not sure if this is the correct player because I have not, I have yet to see the flow chart from the season. Yeah, my flow charting work has been off, but uh, is it too Eric to have too early to have Eric Haas as my tiger? Uh, I'm pretty pro Eric's, so I, I say go for it. I believe that whatever you want to like, yes, you should like. And I and, and I'm sure we've been down this road before. People who think that you shouldn't have ketchup on your hot dog, if you want ketchup on your hot dog, <laughs> put ketchup on your hot dog. It's nobody's business. And if you judge people for how they eat their hot dogs, you're just you're just a condescending tool. Like if you want to put ice cream and peanut butter on your hot dog, if that's what you like, you do it. If you want to like Taylor Swift, you love, you go love Taylor Swift. That's fine by me. People say I'm a music snob. Like whatever music you want to like, pick whichever tiger you want to be your tiger. That's what I feel. That's good life advice. Thank you, Chris. It is. I'm happy to be here. Lev Zuboff at the Jackpot News asks, if Fulmer can stay healthy, the Tigers have three guys throwing 98 to 100 out of the pen. Okay, I question the premise of that a little bit, but let's go with it for now. What sure. else do they need to add to have a playoff caliber bullpen? Ugh. Well, well they're, they're here's, go ahead. They just need they need more trust trustworthy guys right now. I feel like they're leaning on Cisnero and Soto so hard. Um, can you trust some of those other guys? They're looking for that that third, and Fulmar was kind of there. And you also need a, a guy or two who can throw you two or three innings. I feel like they have a lot of one-inning guys right now. That's just my hot take. I don't know. I'm not even listening to you because I'm trying to figure out how to how to, to, to navigate what I just said about loving whatever you want to love. Yeah. Because I think pondering what they need to have a playoff-worthy bullpen on a team that's 40 games from being a playoff team is yeah. You're dreaming. I mean, I guess if you're just like a bullpen guy or you get home late from work and you can only watch the last two innings, <laughs> like, this like that would be something I would yes. focus on. But, but a more logical question to me would be like, how can, uh, we, how get, can we get hitting and starting uh, pitching uh, uh, and starting lineup and, that would be playoff worthy or when, but I mean, yeah, you know what they need to have a playoff worthy bullpen is uh, more play- good. You know what they need to have a playoff worthy bullpen is a empty to start the rest of the team. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And also um, replacing the entire starting rotation and moving all of those guys into the bullpen. That would work. Definitely. You'd have a playoff caliber bullpen, but then you'd have no starters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No starters. Yeah. He also asks, what are the best vodka based mixed drinks? Man, so many good vodka based mixed drinks, right? I'm a fan of the Moscow Mule. The Moscow Mule is is a is a is a I mean I would say it's a classic, but I think it's kind of a recent classic. If that's yeah, not that's right, uh, if that's See, if that's fine. If I may pontificate for a moment, sure. Uh, vodka, by its very nature, is generally a neutral type, spirit. neutral spirit, right? Yes, sir. So you want to you just want to spice it a little bit or give it a little something. So that's why um, you know a vodka martini with a little bit of dry vermouth might be the sure. thing. Sure. Um, do you, uh, you know, uh, is it the Gibbs? So, sometimes you put the onion or a twist. I don't like an olive. I'm not an olive guy for a martini. Yeah. So if I, if I may, uh, you may. is that a word we use? So, yeah. so North River vodka, 
is yes. uh, is a little different than your standard neutral spirit vodka. We try to leave okay. a little residual, a re- little residual taste in it, so you can taste where it comes from, right? Yeah. So North River vodka has a little bit more of an earthy, sweet flavor to it. It does. Some mm-hmm. people have compared it to a really good tequila. Sure. Because it's got a little more. It's not as neutral as many vodkas. Um, I make I make whiskey drinks with it. I wouldn't say it's like a whiskey, but I'll make an old fashioned with North River vodka. Yeah, nice. I'll make a Manhattan with North River vodka. Um, I was going to say I drink a lot of North River vodka, but that's not what I mean. I when I drink alcohol, it's often North River vodka, as, that, right. as you could expect. But my current favorite uh, North River vodka drink is the vodka sour. Ooh. And um, what that consists of is like two parts vodka, one part lime juice, or you can use lemon juice lemon if you juice. prefer. Some simple syrup. Uh, one part simple syrup. And, and a lot of times we make homemade rosemary simple syrup. Ooh, so if you do something fancy. like that. It jazzes it up. And then if, if anybody wants the recipe, I would, I'd say reach out to me, but it also involves a lot of shaking and egg whites. Yeah. And yeah. egg whites are an underrated drink rest, uh, a drink ingredient. When you make a vodka sour with egg whites, what you end up is with a, a just a delicious feel. drink with, with mouth, uh, mouth feels. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's an alcohol. That's a spirit related <laughs> word that I try to avoid, but yeah, good mouthfeel. But what I, it's almost like having meringue. Ooh. on your drink like there's a certain luxury a certain smoothness when you drink a vodka sour made with egg whites um and i know a lot of people are afraid to eat drink raw eggs that's probably overrated but you can also get um i have egg whites that i buy in cartons because then they're pasteurized and they're sure. even more safe than your everyday egg white so i would say the homemade vodka sour is currently my favorite uh, Anthony Troya, a regular questioner on the show asks if the tigers do something crazy and finish the season, say, 10 or 12 games under 500. Do you think Illich will invest, or do you think we're destined to be the Pirates slightly north? Uh, so to encapsulate this question, and I think it's a question that a lot of Tigers fans are asking is, will there be a time where Chris Illich spends some money? Um, are are, are we going to have a chance to relive some of the Mike Illich days or is this now just done on the balance sheet or is there any, any passions left there? I think there's a, I think there's probably a, I think the Tigers will spend money when they get close. I think it's harder and longer term to get close than people want it to be. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably a happy medium between being the current Tigers or or the Pirates and being the Mike Illich Tigers. Sure. And yep. when I say that, there's a there's a there's a strategy in which you don't go because they were top late. five in spending for well, years. and some of that spending was extending Miguel Cabrera before you needed to, and some of that was when maybe you should have been rebuilding, going out and getting. Uh, an old Victor Upton, yeah. Upton or Zimmerman. Zimmerman, like some of those, some of those contracts. I mean, people like stars and like an owner that spends money, but I think sometimes when you do that or, or when you, when you go out and get Prince Fielder, right. A week after he didn't fit on the team quote right. and move Miguel Cabrera to third, like some of that. And yes. then, and then when it goes to spend on the bullpen, well, we're, we're, we don't really do that because we just signed Prince Fielder. Like right. some of that stuff I think was 
sometimes I don't want to say it was counterproductive. It was, it was fun for fans. I'm sure it and, could be more and efficient. They, they had a chance, but, the, but, but I think there's a, I think there's a hack medium in which you're a little more efficient and, and, and try to plug some holes and, and get better gradually. It's not as flashy. It's not as much fun maybe for fans, but, but, I, but will they, I, I think they'll spend when they get close. I just don't know that they're going to be close at the end of this year, like 10 or 12 out. I mean, I know that was the premise of the question, but yeah, yeah, just a little ways, a little ways. And uh, finally, my favorite question, the weather is looking iffy for this evening. This is state of Michigan, man. He asks, the weather is looking iffy for this evening. Does Chris know if the game is going to start on time or not? How's, how's the weather looking, Chris? When's well, the game going to How did I become the weather guy? I have a theory. <laughs> I think there were a, a few months. I think there were a few months where I found dark sky. Oh, okay, yeah. Before anybody app. else realized Dark Sky existed, the weather app. And Dark Sky, like all weather apps, has its faults. But one thing that Dark Sky was really good at is saying, it's going to start raining in nine minutes and quit 22 minutes later. So I would be on Dark Sky during games and I'd be like, they better hurry up. It's going to rain in like nine minutes. And then it would rain in nine minutes. And I think people thought I was a wizard. I you just are a wizard. You, you became um, the authority. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that they might or might not have a game on time tonight. I think I answered that question directly to him and said, "There's a hundred percent chance it will either start on time or it won't." Like, I, I have no idea. I'm, 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 I'm not the weather guy. I, I've retired. You that job didn't pay well anyway. <laughs> well, Chris, our our time is coming to a conclusion. I've had a lot of fun, and I'm just going to assume you did too. But uh, is there anything else that you have to say to our faithful listeners? Uh, I guess not. Thanks. Thank See you. Uh, are you going to come back maybe next week? Maybe we're I'll come back. We're, we're trying I, for a special guest. Maybe we'll see. I would, I would love to come back next week and I would, I, I would love to, uh, I would love to, to chat with a special guest. So I, and, and, and I don't know, are we going to gloss over the, 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 the power rankings intro? No, I'll, I'll put it in. Oh, should we talk okay, well, about no, it? No. I feel like we should talk about that. Like, okay. Yeah. Talk about it. Colin Ballister. Yes. Did the Paul ranking is Joe, right? Yes. So to give people some context, I think maybe we should do that. So Colin Ballister was traded for Ryan Perry, correct? They traded Ryan Perry for Colin Ballister. Yes, and it felt like kind of a one-for-one swap at the time to me. And I think Colin Ballister is maybe most famous for his, did he not have a kind of a outlandish mustache or a, 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 a mustache <laughs> at the time? Outlandish seems extreme. He, okay, he was a distinct, was, a, a distinctive mustache. He was, uh, he was a tall. He was, he was. I mean, I guess he probably still is tall. Um, <laughs> he's a tall guy. Had a mustache. I remember he showed up at a Tigers playoff game uh, after he was after he had moved on to another team. I don't remember how he left, but he and he had said that he was in the uh, he was in like the the Tiger shop or whatever, wherever people buy paraphernalia. D shop. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't spend a lot of time there. He was in the D shop and somebody mistook him for Doug Fister, which is funny because I think Doug Fister might've been pitching that night. Um, But like Doug Fister, tall, tall, thin, could throw the ball hard. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let let me, let me tell you a story about that. Like I, I think maybe I've told the story. I was so excited to see this new phenomenal rookie Justin Verlander come up and I'm watching him warm up in the bullpen. And I'm like, yeah, oh, this guy looks like good stuff. And he's walking out excited for Justin Verlander. And it was Sean Douglas. I had a mixed up. You had a mixed but up. Like you get it, get people out of context. Like it's hard yeah, to know. Absolutely. So, so I have to tell you, the, the, the reason I love Colin Ballister 
is because Colin Ballister does not take himself seriously. He's yeah. just a good dude. So yesterday, I think you saw the text exchange. I texted Colin Ballister. I'm like, hey, do you want to record an intro to uh, the power rankings for a podcast I'm be on tomorrow? And three seconds later, he said, yes. I didn't tell him what he was going to say. And it was like he was sitting Loyalty. at his kitchen table holding the phone, like waiting for us to ask him to do an intro. Like he was, he was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, and, and, and when I, when I covered the Tigers, like I love people that you can ridicule in a funny way. Rib. Yeah. Give them a little And rib. can take it. Yeah. And uh, Colin Ballister, I actually looked this up today after the Colin Ballister left the Tigers, he had some kind of an arm ailment um, and he ended up pitching in the rookie league. Okay. He's 28 years old. Wow. And he was pitching in the rookie league and his statistics for that year. And, and he was Owen one. He pitched in two games, uh, one point one in the third innings. He allowed 10 runs on eight hits. So his ERA was 54.0. Oh, uh, his whip was an even nine Oh, Oh. And when no. he was doing this, I texted Colin Ballister and I'm like, uh, 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 an ERA of 67 and a whip of nine isn't going to get you back to the show, son, or something like that. <laughs> and he was a guy I could say it to because sure. I knew he would take it well. And he was like, dude, everybody down here is 18. And he was 28 at the time. I'm sure he felt like he was in a foreign land. He's like, everybody down here is 18. And they're, I don't know if he said something like they're, they're using me for batting practice or something. Like I, he knew he, he, my, my arm feels like mud. Like, I don't remember. He said yeah. something like that. Like he, he was he clearly struggling. Throwing. He yeah. was throwing 80 some miles an hour and just getting over the plate and people were whacking him. But, but he was a guy who I could send that text to and I knew he would laugh and take it well. So, uh, so yeah. So yeah, Colin Boster, power rankings. So we'll see if he's on next week. We'll ask him uh, ourselves, and uh, we're looking forward to it. So, yeah, again, definitely, definitely. thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast, Dianos. This is where Jordan says, eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up. And then you and have I to say, say good, goodbye. 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 I have to – this is a little bit of role reversal for me because, you know, I have to be the Jordan.